0: Okay, so when I started out as a married I quickly realized how I romanticized business and marriage, which left me feeling stuck with the realities of building a business with my wife and managing and prioritizing my marriage. And this was difficult because when these realities set in, I quickly realized how difficult And perplexing it was to build this business to, to do what I've been called to do with my wife and still hold my priorities as a husband. Well, today, my guest and friend of 25 years, Tim Ross, yes, of the Tim Ross in the basement podcast, which has been growing like crazy. Anyway, he's helping me to detangle the pressures and to clarify the priorities that are essential to being the husband and the Marypreneur that we are called to be. So y'all ready to get into this? Well, I am. But first, who is this episode for? Well, this episode is for husbands as meripreneurs who are struggling to reconcile their priorities as a husband with the demands of their call to the marketplace and or ministry. Well, why is this episode important? Well, this episode is important because Pressure comes in many forms and it plays itself out in many ways. And if not addressed, it will hurt your marriage and hinder you in business. So how will this episode help? Well, this episode will help by giving insight on the hard to talk about issues paired with courageous and practical solutions about how to build what you've been called to build with your wife and do it in a way that's powerful, God honoring while holding together those priorities as a husband. Okay, now, y'all ready to get into it? Let's go. So the big question is this.
1: How do married entrepreneurs like us who have decades of business building experience, how do we break through common communication, productivity, and profitability barriers all while living powerfully in sync?
0: That's the big question, and this podcast is the answer. You see, even if just one of you is called to entrepreneurship, the family is called to entrepreneurship. No, the goal is not the almighty dollar. We're aiming for the almighty impact. What's up? This is O.L. and Sway Buckley. Welcome to the Married Marriottpreneur Life Podcast.
1: Marriage Marketplace Ministry. Let's go.
0: What's up, everybody? This is O.L. Buckley. Yes, and I am by myself today doing the Husband's Huddle Edition. Yes, this is always Buckley of the American Life podcast. This is where we help mission-minded married entrepreneurs, those who want to get more clarity, generate more income, and yes, you want to leave a lasting impact. That's right. Marriedpreneurs, they come to us to build a legacy, purposeful, powerful, and profitable together in sync. So whether you're an entrepreneur, a entrepreneur or a couplepreneur, You are in the right place. If you have no idea what those are, well, let me explain. The Indiepreneur is where the two of you are building individual businesses. The Spousalpreneur is where one of you is building the business and the other one may be supporting or working a nine to five. And the Couplepreneur is where both of you are building the business together. All right. So whether you are in transition or you're one of the three or two of the three, however that may go, you are absolutely in the right place. I'm really, really excited about this episode, this edition of The Husband's Huddle, where I'm going to be talking with my longtime friend of 25 years, Tim Ross. And if you are anywhere on social media, yes, that is Tim Ross of The Basement Podcast. He's been a longtime friend of mine, so I'm excited to have him on this episode. And we're going to jump right into this. So without further ado, let's get into this app. Okay, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the Husband's Huddle edition here on the Married Prentice Life Podcast. Yes, you know what this means because it's Husband's Huddle. It is just oh well here. So I want to, in this episode, welcome my friend, my guest, my brother, someone that I've known for a considerable amount of time through some very formative years of my young adulthood life. And we have been friends. And interesting little fun fact, we were each other's best friends in each other's weddings. There's a lot of history that is there, but I want to welcome my good friend, Tim Ross, to The Platform. What's up, brother?
2: I'm good, man. I'm so grateful to be here with you. So just so everybody knows, we've been friends for 25 years.
0: It's been 25.
2: Yep, yeah, we met in 1997. That makes sense. Yes, sir. <laughs> 25 years. That 25 years.
0: That is definitely wild. And I just want to say that I have seen God's grace and favor in your life, the entire 25, through all of the various whatnots (laughs) that, (laughs) that we go through. And man, it's just been a blessing to see your journey and how the Lord has just kept, carried, and cultivated you even over the course of all this time, so it's an honor for me to sit here to be able to just even have this discussion and bring your insight from your bank of experience and how it will definitely help the listeners to this platform, to this podcast, and to this episode. So I don't want to delay it, man, because I like to just get right to the meat. Call it Thanksgiving. Okay. You know yes, I'm sir. It? Hey, we're just gonna cut right right down the middle. I want to talk about us as men, particularly us as husbands, who are. In and or marketplace and ministry. And I think that a lot of us feel a sense of perplexity from the complexities of Mm -hmm. trying to manage all of that. And so I want to just start off with a man's priorities, a husband's priorities. How do you know what your priorities are?
2: I believe I know what my priorities are based on what I've read in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so what I've cultivated over the last 26 years of being a believer, but 23 years being married, this philosophical thought that if I'm okay in my prayer room, I'll be okay in my bedroom. If Mm -hmm. I'm okay in my bedroom, I'll be okay in my living room. If I'm okay in my living room, I'll be okay in the boardroom. Mm -hmm. And if I'm okay on the boardroom, I'll be okay on the platform.
0: That was pithy. (laughs) That was powerful. So let me put a spin on it. Okay, know what your priorities are during a transitional season.
2: Well, that, it's interesting that you asked me that question. <laughs> I do feel like I now have a PhD in transition. It's not going to be on the walls anywhere. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to hang it up, but I do bear the marks in my body that I am a disciple of <laughs> Jesus who has been transitioned more than more than thrice. Okay, so <laughs> what I've learned about transitions being this is my fourth major one and just to give a nutshell of a context there I've been pastor in a church for 7 years mm-hmm. and after our 6 the month of our 6th anniversary we got a prophetic word through a guest speaker that once decoded a few days later the holy spirit made it clear that my my season as a lead pastor was coming to an end so what i prioritize in seasons of transition is clarity from god agreement with my wife mm-hmm. and then consensus and confirmation from my multitude of counselors. Once I've established all three of those, I feel like I'm empowered to move through the transition uh, because I have the support of everybody that means something to me in the season that I'm in. So when I when I moved from California to Texas in 1997, I got a word from the Lord and I got a confirmation and consensus from my parents. That's actually all I needed. <laughs> right. Uh, when I transitioned from the Potter's house in 2010, I got a word from the Lord agreement with Juliet, your wife, my wife. Right. I got reluctant confirmation and, and consensus from Bishop Jakes. It was bittersweet that transition. And then I and then I had a multitude of counselors that spoke and, and said the same
3: mm-hmm.
2: when I left Gateway to plant Embassy City. I got a word from God agreement with Juliet consensus from Robert Morris, the elders and my multitude of counselors. And then we went, and then with this transition, same thing, a word from the Lord, agreement with Juliet consensus (laughs) with the elders, my apostolic overseers and my multitude of counselors. So once you have that internal word, if you're married, your, your spouse has to hear the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that that I like to caution people on is that when you get the word may not be the same time your spouse gets the word. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you're impatient, you are going to fracture the relationship mm-hmm. as you start trying to move through this transition. So I've learned with my transition since being married, that I don't move forward until Juliet has 100% peace. Mm hmm. Now, that's exercise in patience. And I feel like I'm dying sometimes because when I hear the Lord, I be, I'm nimble. Mm-hmm. But, but Juliet is much more methodical. She is not a verbal processor as I am. She needs lots of time to be able to gather her thoughts. And she does not want to say anything out of emotion. Mm-hmm. I've learned over time to embrace that incredible quality about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we first got married, it was. It was an exercise of my patience and really, you know, it caused us a lot of friction because I was I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So, yeah,
0: let's take what you said and zoom in just a little bit when it comes to building something, building anything, building a ministry, building a business. And I think generally, whether it be figuratively in one way or literally in another way, men are. Metaphorically, builders. And I think that's good. I think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. There then becomes priorities when it comes to building something. And I know for a lot of the gentlemen who will be listening, they're building in the marketplace. And even then, some of them are also building in a ministry context, church life, what have you. What about the priorities relative to those spaces? Yep. And how then that priority is running parallel with, or even rubbing up against those marital and familial priorities?
2: Yeah. So when it comes to building an organization, building a team, nonprofit or for profit, because at this point I've done both. Okay. You you got to focus in, uh, in terms of priorities. You got to focus in on what it is that you are bringing in terms of a service, if it's nonprofit, if it's a product and, 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 and for-profit, you have to be certain what you're actually offering,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? If it's too mm-hmm. grandiose and it's too visionary, you're not going to get none of it done. Mm-hmm. So you have to like singularly focus on what is it that I am trying to build. In the nonprofit, you know, I'm I'm basically taking intangibilities and making them tangible so that people can have an interaction with them. Mm -hmm. So when I give a, when I give a vision statement or a mission statement, like our God has sent us here to upset the world with the message, love and hope of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. How do you flesh that out? Well, I'm taking an intangibility and making it a tangible reality that people can interact with Mm -hmm. Uh, MLK's I have a dream speech was an intangibility that was made tangible and people started interacting with it, right? We want to be the fulfillment of this dream, right? How do we practically do that? So in a in a nonprofit space, you have to know what your your vision and your mission statement is, and you have to be focused on building that thing like exclusively, like focused on it, right? I believe Jesus was like that. Jesus had a one-track mind. I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Mm-hmm. If you going if if you're not gonna distract me from it, you can jump in front of me. Mm-hmm. But what you're not going to do is distract me from the fact that I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He had a target audience. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times in nonprofit, we just want to we our mission statements are just really, really generic. Right. What's your mission? To love people and to love God. Okay, What people? All people. (laughs) Well, if you live in Watts, it better be hood people. Right like, you know
0: what I'm saying? Which is is not the people in say Boise, Idaho. That's exactly
2: right. These (laughs) are not the same type of people, right? So you can say all people, but you have a demographic, you have an area that you have to service Mm -hmm. and you have to make this intangibility tangible for people to have an interaction with. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a, you know, overview of nonprofit and for profit. What product are you offering? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and Do you know how to pitch that product in 60 seconds or less? Mm -hmm. And do you believe in that product so much that you are ready to cash all your chips to the middle of the table and lose it all if it don't work? Mm -hmm. Like if if you're hedging your bets and you're risk adverse, uh, entrepreneurial endeavors are not for you. You you know what I mean? This is this is this is for the bold. This is not favor the (laughs) week. So those are my general overviews on priorities. If it's in the nonprofit space. It's do you know what that mission is and can you get people to fall in love with it? If it's in the for-profit space, do you have a product that you believe in enough that you ready to empty your pockets into rabbit ears mm-hmm. to see it come to pass?
0: Yeah. Do you think oftentimes men overestimate or underestimate what it takes to build? Oh, absolutely correct.
2: Yeah, do they you? do.
0: Or how can, let me say it that way, how can, as husbands, how can we temper that and balance that? while still recognizing that we're building with our wives in one sense or another?
2: Oh, absolutely. Communication is key in this regard. I'll never forget when I, when, when, uh, I'll go all the way back to when I became a young, young adult pastor. When I became a young adult pastor, I told Juliet up front, Hey, I'm starting something from scratch that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. There's a huge learning curve that I feel like I have. Mm-hmm. And I am going to be putting a lot of time and energy into this. Are you going to be okay? Right? If I'm going past a certain threshold, you have four rights to come yank my chain. Mm-hmm. But but I need a lot of, I'm going to need a Flag. lot of margin. Yeah, I'm going to need a <laughs> lot of slack if I'm going to make this successful. And she's like, no, go do it. But at least we had the conversation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'll never forget when we when we started the church she had that same mindset. Like, Hey, I know you're going to need a lot of slack. I said, Hey babe, I'll actually have more time now that I'm leading a church than when I was serving a church. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, you're not. She was like, you're going to, you're going to have to meet with all these people. I said, okay, I can, I can show you better than I can tell you. Mm -hmm. And after about, it was probably 90 to 120 days. She was like, baby, you were not lying. Like your rhythm is good. You're home in the evenings. You're not frazzled. Uh, you you seem to be paced. And I'm like, because I built a team.
0: So do you think that that then allowed you to keep your priorities, the priorities, meaning oh, absolutely. Having, having a team enabled you and supported you in those priorities? Those are abs- absolutely correct. Did you have your team? Did you communicate to your team what those priorities were?
2: Yes, I did. I, I communicated what my role was and and I told them, almost under no circumstances, am I going to do anything outside of what I do? Because a couple of reasons. Number one, they, none of them could do what I do.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And number two, if I'm doing what they do, then I need to fire them Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and just make that part of my salary. (laughs) You You know what I'm saying? So if I've hired them, I've hired them to do things that I'm not going to do. Okay. That so way I can focus on what it is that only I can.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I think that's helpful. And I think that's actually a great setup to pivot to our pressure portion. <laughs> As men, do you think that when building and in marriage, that pressure is say par for the course? Or do you think that pressure is largely manufactured?
2: I don't think it's either or oh, I think it's both and. Mm. Pressure is par for the course. There, there is a certain inherent pressure to mm-hmm. running a business, mm. running an organization, being a man, period. <laughs> being a husband man, <laughs> being a father man, right? There are inherent pressures to that right. that just come with the territory.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If it stays there, it's all gonna be manageable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's when manufactured pressure Mm -hmm. is placed on top of inherent pressure, Mm -hmm. that the pressure becomes too steep. And we usually, for men, we don't blow up verbally. We blow up actionably. We blow up with our actions. So I'm always encouraging men to be able to put what they're feeling into words because whatever doesn't come up and out of your mouth through words will come up and out of your body through actions. So you look at at ulcers, migraines, you know, depression, anger, you know, all of these emotions that, that, and I'm only talking about like the safe ones. I'm not talking about dark stuff like pornography and drug use and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. We're either suppressing, repressing, or medicating Mm -hmm. manufactured pressure. I don't believe inherent pressure makes us go over the edge. I think it's the manufactured pressure on top of inherent that makes us go over the edge.
0: Wow, so that's, so the manufacturer becomes almost like the tipping point. Correct. The inherent. Correct. That's good. So how then, as husbands, do we talk to our wives about pressure, and here's the caveat, without feeling in some way incapable or inadequate?
2: Okay, so my short answer, and then I'll elaborate, (laughs) Uh, without feeling incapable and inadequate. Most times when somebody feels that when a man feels that and communicating with his wife, ego and pride is involved. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, we have to check our egos at the door, mm-hmm. right? We're not confessing weakness and adequacy and competency to say, this is heavy. We're just acknowledging what it is. You know what I mean?'m I'm, I'm carrying a lot of stress at work right now. We have three babies under five years old. Man, I love having sex with you, but why did we keep getting pregnant? Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like like pressure is pressure. Acknowledging the pressure is fine, but it doesn't it doesn't signal weakness. It doesn't signal fragility. It doesn't mean that you're not capable of navigating this season. But it is good to identify it and to call a spade a spade. Now, our bodies are actually will wage a war against us mm-hmm. if we throw Jesus glitter on top of what we're going through.
0: OK, I want to stick a pin in that point right there. You mentioned earlier, if my prayer life is OK, then and you lay these other subsequent areas of your life that are OK. Obviously, starting first and foremost with prayer. When it comes to the day-to-day and communicating and dealing with pressure, let's just say inherent pressure and even talking with our wives, is prayer overrated?
2: Absolutely not. Then how does it I, help? Yeah, I think prayer is underrated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, dude, okay, so so most times when people think of prayer, they think of like 5 a.m., 30 minutes, right?
0: I said, press in for 30 and you're so, good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Press in for 30. Right. When it's like I feel like, you know, if you've ever seen those military movies and they got their comms working and it's always the little earbud in there mm-hmm. and they're in constant communication with the command center
3: mm-hmm.
2: or the person that's that's overseeing the op. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Hey, there, there, there's 17 bad guys in there. Watch your back. Run into the bathroom now. You know, that type of deal. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like I have those kind of comms with God, Mm -hmm. right, where there's this constant communication all day. Mm -hmm. I I can't just I don't even know what the day is going to throw at me. So (laughs) I'm not saying pressing in for 30 ain't dope, but I might need to holler back at boy (laughs) at Mm 232 when I'm feeling like I want to karate chop one of my staff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. or my tone wasn't right with Juliet, and man, I don't feel like dying to my flesh today. I think she deserved that one. I'm tired of apologizing. She needs to go first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I need, Lord, help me right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm i aware of self. I'm, I'm being petty right now, mm-hmm. and I feel all this vibration in my heart, and so, Holy Spirit, I need you to help calm me down. So it's an all-day thing for me. Prayer is an all-day constant communication with God. I, I'm, I, my comms work all day. <laughs> right. So I'm not trying to preload it up front or dump it all at the end of the day. I'm going through the day and knowing I can throw up a prayer and, and communicate with God at a moment's notice when so I good. need him.
0: That's so good. and, and, and Yeah. And no, I, I I I totally agree. And totally agree. And when we're not accessing and utilizing the privilege of prayer, Um, and it's a privilege to talk to God and have God speak to you. And and, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think we would then be moving into that manufactured pressure because we're going to talk to somebody or we're going to try to quote unquote take matters into our own hands. Mm -hmm. Whenever we do that, it generally never works out well. We're going to be given towards man's anger Mm-hmm. Which means that we're not going to be quick to listen and we're going to be rapid to speak, which means we're ultimately going to produce man's anger, which does not produce the Lord's righteousness. So I Facts. absolutely agree with that. Yeah. That then that then sets us up for another question. And that is, and I remember I told you that the room is mic mm-hmm. All right. So the room is mic'd on this one for sure. Yeah. Yep. Can our wives personality? type add pressure when building oh absolutely correct oh yeah absolutely
2: yeah so so i'll just speak of mine so juliet is bahamian and jamaican right i got married to an uh, afro-caribbean and unbeknownst to me i was entering into an interculture intercultural relationship Right. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be defined as interracial, but it is intercultural. Right. I'm right. I'm Afro-American. <laughs> OK, I am from L.A. Afro- <laughs> from LA fam, OK, I'm not Afro-Caribbean, whose mindset is there's no American mindset in Juliet. She is Caribbean. OK. And so that Jamaican side blended with that Bahamian side, it made for a beautiful woman. And it also made for a distinct personality that I was not accustomed to Mm. dealing with American women. Mm -hmm. And so we ran into a lot of obstacles as business partners. It was very, very difficult to get on the same page with her. So there were cultural hurdles. Oh, God, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I... I just mentioned the girl and she just walked in. So uh there were a lot of there were a lot of cultural hurdles because mm-hmm. and and really just pragmatic approaches to business overall. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh I have a very kind of straightforward capitalistic. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas Juliet is much more of a developer. Hey, no, this is just good for the the world. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We may not be making money now, but we're helping people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we ain't going to help a lot of them if we don't get no money up any, right? <laughs> so, pew, 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 right? So it is... It, and so, instead of me, instead of us being able to readily appreciate where the grooves were to interlock, it would, we were more here. Mm-hmm. And her personality... It's very, very different from mine. I'm an introvert. I recharge when I get when I get alone. Julie is an extrovert. She recharges around people. And for the type of business I do, having her personality would be better for me. Mm. And for the type of business endeavors that that she has historically stepped into, my personality would be better for her. So we had to learn over time. How to be good collaborators mm. and 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 we are we are very good collaborators now mm-hmm. uh it took about two decades, but we are <laughs> only. fine it only took two decades but this is a beautiful thing about staying married to the same person mm-hmm. because a frustration in year five becomes a fixture in year fifteen
0: mm. say the like. Much.
2: Yeah, a frustration in year five can, be a, can become a fixture in, in year 15. And I just mean that to say that that person in year five is not going to be the same person in year 15. And what you consider a liability in year five winds up becoming an asset in year 15. You just got to have patience. But when the, when the thought in your mind is, that, OK, we're not clicking right now, but this is who I got to rock with for the rest of my life. Then we're going to figure out the Rubik's Cube. No matter how many times we gotta turn this thing and oh my we got all the orange side, but oh man, blue is still a We gotta mix it up, but we're gonna figure it out. Yeah. And then when you do figure it out, it's like the work you went through to figure it out makes the connection that much more exhilarating. You're just like, oh my goodness, we are magic together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And after you've said it, then you're like, all right, now put that under a glass case because we don't want nobody to reshuffle it. (laughs) You know, so. That's what I would say. Your personalities can be, for the husband and the wife, they can definitely affect how you make moves in business.
0: Last question. Can people change? Absolutely, they
2: can. I'm a living witness to it. Absolutely, they can. Right. So, you know, my testimony, but I hope it's appropriate for me to go here. Sexually abused at eight, you know, exposed to pornography at 12, porn addict, highly promiscuous by... 19, I give my life to Jesus at 20. I'm a born-again porn addict. And my brain's been rewired because of sexual trauma and and this exposure to porn and and promiscuous sex. Uh, This causes incredible problems in my marriage because I bring all of that into the marriage. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Well, the 26 years I've been a believer in Jesus, 24 of those 26 years, I've had some form of counseling and or therapy. Mm -hmm. At this stage of my life, I spend about fourteen grand a year on my mental health. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about it as LeBron feels about his body playing basketball. The reason why he can play basketball at such a high level at 38 years old because LeBron decided to do what no other athlete was doing in his profession. And that is, I'm going to spend a million dollars on my nutrition. Mm-hmm. This dude pays a million dollars for food and sleep. The upkeep, the upkeep, the maintenance, right?
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: He does this. Uh, there's a physical audit that he goes through with uh, one of the personal trainers after every game, starting from his big toe. After nice. every game, dude, this is blown. my, this blows my mind. He sits down after every game and starting from his big toe, the guy, his trainer, whoever you know, puts his finger and in his index finger and in his thumb on his big toe and goes, how does this feel? Fine. He goes to the next toe, the next toe, the next toe, the next toe. The next toe. Ankle, calf, shin, knee, leg, all the way up, both sides of his body, arms, all the way to the top of his head. He does a physical audit after every game. If we did mental, emotional, spiritual audits after every day, just self checking, where am I today? How did I feel about that business deal? How did I feel about that interaction with my wife? How did I feel about that interaction with my kids? Where's my heart today? Am I avoiding anything? Right. So you start to. So I have a I have a um, I'm a part of this uh, thing that John Townsend does called uh, the Townsend Townsend Leadership Group, TLP Townsend Leadership Program. But basically it's it's once a month for eight hours cohort. So it's 10 people plus the neuropsychologist or the therapist that you have in there. Uh, This is my fifth year of doing it. It is absolutely amazing. To know that I have a place I can go once a month for eight hours with nine other people that we've all signed nine disclosures, and I can talk about anything from my traumatic past to something I'm dealing with on the job, and it just becomes this community that that's very very important. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I have an EMDR specialist who literally helps me with the traumatic moments of my past and getting them down to a place where. They don't trigger me, mm-hmm. so i'm able to I'm able to you know if any if anything kind of rises up in me because of some issues I'm going through in life, they don't register to the point that it's going to make me act out in negative ways mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: so th- this has been, this has been something i've been afforded to do
3: mm-hmm.
2: because of the way that I've chosen to live my life i i I didn't want to live my life with the excuse of well, I got hurt when I was young and therefore this is the way I am. Either, baby, you can deal with it or you don't. Mm. So I definitely believe that people can change. Oh, what I've realized though, I realized that most people are reluctant to change or further don't change because change is actually harder than the initial injury that was sustained.
0: Man, you opened up something there that that I think is... um is very insightful for people and for husbands who are dealing with a lot of things right now because a lot of times I think people medicate even using their business using their their calling if you will ministry included to medicate but it becomes more of a topical treatment than something that is truly transformative yep and transformational so no i i i absolutely appreciate appreciate this listen i can I, can
2: I add something real quick to that? Cause I mean, yes. you, it's too much of <laughs> low hanging fruit for me to leave it out there. Okay. So let me give you, let me give you Bible on this, right? So Genesis chapter number three, Adam and Eve sin. Where does Adam go? Adam goes into what he was supposed to stay on the outside of. Mm. He was supposed to manage the trees. He goes into what he was supposed to be on the outside managing.
0: To cover and hide himself.
2: To cover and hide himself. So when you hear people say that they're buried in their work or you know what I mean? A mm. lot of times what men do when they feel shame or when they feel exposed is they bury themselves or they camouflage themselves, blend into the very thing they're supposed that they were called to manage.
0: Man. Wow.
2: So this is something that we were born with. And we have to address it at the epicenter. This goes all the way back to Genesis three. And we've been it's repeating it for 6,000 years.
0: It's the echoes of the fall. Absolutely. That's right. That, oh, I love
2: that. <laughs> the echoes of the fall. That's dope. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Man, how can people keep up with you and access your content? This is that part. So you yeah. have at it.
2: <laughs> okay. So upsettheworld.com will go live in January. Till then, you can catch us on YouTube. Follow the Basement with Tim Ross. Instagram is upset. The gram TikTok is upset. The talk. If you find us on any of those social handles, you know, follow us if you want to, or just check it out before you do. If it's something that resonates with you, uh, we'd be happy to have you as part of our community.
0: My friend, my brother, I love you, man. Um, I love
2: you so much, bro. And,
0: and I appreciate you taking this time. And I know you got something going on. So listen. We're gonna sign off here, but thank you again and um all of the best to you, man, and everything that's happening right now with all your transitions and so forth. And so thank you, bro. Know that Sway and I over here, we love you, brother. We love you too, man. Thank you so okay. much. Okay, so clearly there were a ton of nuggets that were in that discussion. And listen, I, I was just as helped by them as I'm sure that you are as well. Well, that then means Let's do this. Let's go to our next segment. Enjoy the journey together. Okay, I'll meet you over there,
1: brothers. You can start a business with talent, but it requires smart systems to build it. High level systems are the bedrock of any sustainable company. It's no different from married entrepreneurs.
0: As married entrepreneurs committed to building a solid legacy, there hasn't been proven systems that teach how to scale businesses without straining your marriage until now.
1: The marriedpreneur operating systems is the ultimate strategic planning tool that transforms married couples in business into peak performing marriedpreneurs, even if only one spouse is the entrepreneur.
0: Having the right annual strategic planning tool will free 20 plus work hours a month while still accelerating profits without overwhelm or burnout, even if one of you is working a nine to five.
1: Now it's the kind of transformation that produces this kind of result.
0: Want the same results? Go to GetSystemsNow.com.
1: GetSystemsNow.com.
0: And yes, here we are now at Enjoying the Journey Together. This is where we give you two actionable, practical steps. That's right. So you can see traction fast. <laughs> All right. Listen, man, it is most helpful. And I believe most important to write yourself clear. Now, I know this may not be normal for some men, normal for some of us as husbands, but listen, brothers, I find it helpful when I can sit down with a blank piece of paper and write out my thoughts, because if I don't, I am likely to then communicate my thoughts and say certain things in a way that is not as helpful, because I'll be talking extemporaneously, off the cuff, and very impulsive. And a lot of times while that is raw, it can also be sometimes inaccurate and misrepresent what our true intentions are. So I want to encourage you to write yourself clear, write down what it is you're thinking, what it is you're feeling, because you're going to be able to really clarify those things and choose better words. And yes, even more accurate words when you explain and articulate to your wife where you are. So write yourself clear and then pray. Yes. And then talk about with your wife, both what is working and what isn't working. And when you've done that, done that sort of audit and prayer, and then presented this to your wife, I want to encourage you brothers, as even Tim said in this episode, pray for God's direction. Come into agreement with your wife and then get consensus from wise counsel. All right. So, listen, as always, this has been the Husband's Huddle Edition. Y'all have a blessed one. Let's go.
1: Ready to drop them bars, hubby?
0: Funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we here. Hi, girl. Okay.
0: <laughs> Check it out. It's like, hmm, okay, it's OL and sway back again. Another episode, press play, now Now you in. in. Motion to build out your legacy. Family imply your marriage plus ministry. The content is real life in real time. Yep. Mm-hmm. A little more to help you both sort and step. Same page where we know you wanna be. Yep. And no it's not as easy as one, two, three. three it's more like three, two, one. Yep. Where you gotta plan your work, work your plan to have fun. And yep. anything YouTube will call to is doable. Hit subscribe, press like, make this reviewable. Anything YouTube will call to is doable. Hit subscribe, press like, make it reviewable. Peace. Peace. Anything you call to is doable. Press
1: subscribe.